A warm welcome to the Leaders with Babies podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I'm the CEO and founder of Leaders Plus, an award-winning social enterprise dedicated to supporting leaders with babies and young children. I'm very passionate about the fact that it is not okay that in the UK today, if you have a child and want to care for it, it significantly impacts on your chances of getting to the most senior jobs. With this podcast and our award-winning Leaders Plus Fellowship program, I want to change this by giving you inspiration and practical support to continue to progress your career whilst enjoying your baby or young children. Today's guests are Ruth Stewart and Colin Stewart. Ruth is Head of Strategy at the CIPD, which is the main membership organization for HR directors. So she influences what our HR directors do every day. Colin, her husband, is an astronomy author and international speaker. And Ruth is a fellow of Leaders Plus, which is how we got to know each other. Both Ruth, Colin and I share a deep belief that in order to progress your career and get to the most senior jobs, it's essential to have a supportive partner. And Ruth, Colin and I are having an open and honest conversation about how their relationship has evolved since having a child what they do to support each other and how they deal with challenges as a couple. A shout out to our Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme. Most of you will know by now about it, but just to let you know that applications do close on the 13th of February. If you want to have a chat about it, just go on the website and feel free to book a call with me. I'm really excited about the new cohort and we've already selected some fantastic people. So do apply to join us. You'll get a supportive peer group who you can have really honest conversation with about your vision and how to get there. You'll get a senior leader mentor to support you. And then, of course, also specific sessions for couples like what we are discussing today. Also, just on a related note, there are some sponsor places available for anyone experiencing hardship. So do make sure to apply if you want to to progress your career whilst looking after young children and you're in that um, situation. And if there's enough interest, we will be piloting a Leaders Plus Fellowship for people with primary school kids, because quite a few people have approached me to ask about that. So I will probably going to pilot that. That's it for now. And on to today's conversation. So very warm welcome, Colin and Ruth, and thank you for giving the time today. As I just mentioned in the, in the pre-chat, the reason why I wanted us to have that conversation is because so often every couple will have their own things that they're going through, the, the, the things they're discussing about combining careers with young ch- children as a couple, but we're not really hearing behind the scenes. So my hope for today is really to to hear your story of being a couple where both people are ambitious in their careers and what thinking that you've gone through. Um, but why don't we start with you both introducing yourself and what you do at work and your children. Uh, so hi, Verena. Thank you so much for um, inviting us along to this podcast. Really excited to be part of it. I'm Ruth Stewart and I'm head of strategy development at the CIPD and we're the professional body for HR and people development. Um, and the role that I do is really about helping the organization work out where it wants to be in the next five to 10 years and how we're going to get there. Um, we have a lovely daughter called Isabel. Um, she's 16 months old now and uh, yeah, makes us extremely happy. Uh, and I'm Colin Stewart. I'm an astronomy author and speaker. So uh, I write non- non-fiction books about space for both for kids and sort of full-length adult non-fiction. I do a lot of stuff going into schools, getting kids 
excited about science and engineering. Uh, and I also do work with businesses to try and get them to think a bit differently uh, using the kind of insights from, from space. And can I ask how you met? Uh, we met at university. So we actually met through Facebook when it was pretty new. And we dated for a while and then became friends, kind of kept in touch. And about five years later, got kind of got back together again. And did you always know that you were going to have children once you got back together? Was that always on the card or something that you talked about? Yeah, I think we, we'd always thought that it would be part of our lives. I'm not sure that we necessarily spoke about it in the early days, but I think we, we vaguely knew that we both wanted children. Probably more so um, Colin than me in terms of being really, he, I think he knew for certain that was part of his future life. I, I was sort of knew that I sort of wanted children, but I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah, for me, children's always been a big part of my sort of future plans. I come from a big family, both my I've only got one brother, but both my parents are one of four. Um, and so there are a lot of cousins and cousins with children. So I grew up with a lot of children around and always wanted that to be the same for me. I had a conversation with a friend recently, actually, who I sat next to in English when I was 14. And she, she told me that I was talking about being self-employed at 14 so that I could be, uh, be around for children when I got older. So for, yeah, for me, it's always been a big part of my my future plans and is your decision to be the keynote speaker a facilitator and author is that because you wanted to be there for your child yeah it was long before we even had children i thought i thought that was the way to build to build a good work-life balance because you know, if you're going to be there for bath time if you're going to be there for for all sorts of things then if you've got a long commute if you've got a demanding boss all those sorts of things it can be quite tough so from the very outset I wanted to build my career my way so that I had I was in charge and, and could do what I effectively what I wanted and build a family life around it and Ruth I'm getting the impression that you're quite ambitious in a really good way was that always the case or I mean tell me if I'm mischaracterizing you oh no you definitely got it right there yeah I'm I've always been been super ambitious about my career the first job I did after university was working at Tesco on their graduate scheme and so I worked in HR and organization development in various commercial departments there Um, and that was a, a great learning ground but it also instilled in me this kind of vision for myself that I could continue to progress in my career in whatever way I wanted to. Um, the ethos there was all about leadership development and learning on the job and, and really pushing yourself. And I guess that's always stuck with me throughout my career. Um, so yeah, always been super ambitious. I would say that that ambition has changed a little bit since having children. Um, I'm more ambitious for our family in its totality and perhaps less focused just on my own personal ambition for my career. And can you share a bit about what your ambition is and, and your vision, both family-wise and career-wise? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think we we really want to get to a place as a family where we're both able to succeed in our careers. And um, we definitely take a, a dual career focus, but we want to succeed, I think, for the right reasons, which is to make a difference in the world and um, through the roles that we do and uh, have a real impact for me personally, I'm incredibly passionate about improving work and working lives. And I'm lucky enough that I get to do a job where I have a real tangible impact on that, the CIPD. 
but I want to grow that career. I want to move into to bigger roles um, so that I can have even more of an influence and an impact. Um, so for me personally, that that's where I want to get to. So with my work, I guess, with the schools in particular, there's this amazing thing right now where we are looking at sending the first person to Mars. And on the timescales we're looking at, the first person to walk on Mars is probably about eight years old right now. So my dream is I go into schools and, and talk to kids about this and say, look, this is you. This is your journey. You, know, you could be the first person to walk on Mars. I would love someone to come back to me in 30 years time, 40 years time and say, I went, not necessarily I went to Mars. That'd be amazing. <laughs> you know, but I went to Mars or uh, I went into space or I'm an engineer or I'm whatever it is because you came into my school and, and, and like switched a light on in my head that this was something that I could you know, I could do in my future. So when Ruth's talking about making a difference for me, that I think that's the biggest place I feel like I can make a difference is if I can, even just a half a dozen kids, if I can switch their brains onto a career in science and engineering. Then I love that clarity of, of vision. Do you think you are influencing each other's career in any shape or form? I think Ruth is starting to influence mine. So my I say m mainly what I do is writing books and, and, and public speaking, but I've recently worked with astronauts to help them write a book. And one of the things that I got involved in was astronaut training and learning how the astronauts work as a team, how they're trained to communicate. Uh, and Ruth's been really influential in saying, well, hang on a minute, this is really applicable, not just to astronauts, but to, you know, to the L and D community, to the HR community, which is the one that she knows so well. And I, and I confess, I don't know as well. And so she's had a real influence in getting me to think about how I can maximize the, the opportunities that I've got from the kind of interesting work that I've done in the past. So she's definitely opening my mind to, to different opportunities. And I'd say that um, Colin has definitely influenced the way I think I, uh, about my career, mostly around flexibility, um, because he's able to work pretty much any time, any place. It's made me realize that in the past, I've been too fixed on kind of going into the office, working nine till five um, and seeing that as the way that my, I'm working for an organization and seeing that as the way that my um, career would, would pan out. Now I'm much more focused on just delivering what I need to deliver and how I do that is very much up for me to define. And I'm also thinking long, long term that I probably want to work for myself. Um, so he's definitely made me realize that there are so many different ways of working out there and, and all of those can be possible for me. Yeah, I think it's interesting that when you look at research around career progression, it's very much about doing stuff that you're not yet doing in the simplest form. It's about doing your job slightly differently, having slightly different networks and so on. And actually having someone from the outside, from a astronaut <laughs> that's probably as far as I can think from my current job, like having someone with that type of background offering and vice versa, offering that inspiration can be very powerful. Have there been any points of friction for you both in terms of combining your aspirations, any points of practical friction? I guess there's, there's a lot that we are really aligned on. So we don't have too much friction. I suppose one area is related to, to what I've just said, that Colin could work anywhere, anytime, but, but because I work for an employer, we're a bit more fixed in terms of needing to be living sort of around London. So I guess that's the only area sort of location wise that, that comes to mind that 
where we're based is pretty much directly related to my career. Um, in theory, Colin could go and work in the Maldives and uh, have a lovely life by the beach. Um, but we've kind of made choices that, that work for our family to be somewhere else. And I guess also from my point of view, when Ruth went back to work, we, because she'd been on maternity leave and I was busy head down writing a book. So I was kind of juggling being a new dad with writing the longest book I'd ever written. R- Ruth did a lot of the, of the house work and stuff. And then when Ruth back, went back to work, we'd never had a conversation about the sort of split of the boring life admin stuff. And it, she was continuing to do it because we kind of got into this pattern of, of, of her doing it because that's what it had been like for, for months. And I hadn't realized that that's what had happened until Ruth said, well, hang on a minute, we've got to, you know, there's too much mental load for me. I'm working full time thinking about these things. So I think if we hadn't sat down and worked out a proper action plan of, you know, writing down everything that we do between us and then rejigging it so that it was equally shared between us, that could have become a, a source of increased friction. I think we got ahead of it reasonably quickly, but yeah, over Christmas, we sort of sat down and made it, made it fair. But that, yeah, that could have been, if it had been left to fester, it could have been more. Can you just explain the mental load for the listeners? Just all the sort of day-to-day things that you have to do in terms of, uh, you know, washing the baby's clothes and changing the sheets and, but also things, you know, sorting out the car insurance and uh, the child, you know, government childcare account and nursery and making sure that everything is, you know, all that household stuff. And I guess Ruth was leading on a lot of that stuff whilst on maternity leave. But yeah, we needed to re realign that once we were both back to work. And I think the word that used is interesting, leading. So it's not actually just about doing the stuff, but being who is the person who keeps on top of their mind the to-do list for that certain area, whether it's holiday booking or whatnot. Yeah, exactly that. And I think Ruth was, she, you, know, you can explain for yourself, but you said, you'd said to me, you know, use the phrase mental load that, that, you know, I've got so much on my mind. I'm thinking these things have to be done that, that, that we need to, a new system. So I said, well, let, okay, let's sit down and be very analytical about it and, and you know, work out a, here's my list. Cause I, I wouldn't think about it, but if there's a list and I, I look after my daughter on a Monday, I have Mondays off with her. That's one of the good things about working for yourself is, is that, that now I have a list of things that I have to get done on a Monday in order to, to make an equal contribution. Um, yeah. And I, I, what prompted this conversation partly was um, I, I read an article about um, essentially describing that you shouldn't try and be the project manager for your family because otherwise you're you're organizing all of the tasks, you're leading on all of the tasks, you're also doing a huge proportion of them. And even if you've got a supportive partner who is doing their share, doing their bit, the thinking behind all of that still sits with you. And when you've got a busy career and you want to be present as a parent, and then you've got all of that on top of it, it's too much, I think, um, to balance successfully. So now I feel like we've got a much better balance in the sense that there are things that Colin is entirely responsible for. There are things that I'm entirely responsible for. And of course, we'll support each other as and when we need to. But I don't have to carry it all in my head of everything that needs to to happen and be done, um, which is quite freeing in a way. I guess one thing that we have fine-tuned actually is that we recognize that if one of us is struggling for whatever reason, whether that's workload or just emotionally, 
we need to step up and be there for the other person. And so that might mean kind of not being so fixed on, well, that's your task and this is mine, but actually being a bit more flexible around it and knowing that it will sort of round out in the end. Can I ask what, so there's obviously the practical stuff and, and it sounds like you've organized that very well, but behind that almost sits like the emotional well-being. How do you make that happen while being you know, very ambitious in your job? And how do you look after each other emotionally, if you don't mind sharing? I think it's about really noticing when each other is in a place where they need some extra help and support and tuning into some of those cues. And we, we recently had a conversation about this. And personally, I will internalize things when I'm, I'm having a, a bit of a tough time and finding things difficult emotionally. So it's hard to tell when I'm in that place. Whereas with Colin, it's a little bit more obvious, but it's not always not obvious what support he might need. So I think we've, we've sort of realized that we both need to be a bit more open with how we're feeling and calling out exactly what support we need, because I think we're, we're both quite self-sufficient people. So our natural tendency is to be quite driven, get stuff done, um, and not focus so much on our own emotional well-being so I think taking that step back as a couple and thinking well how do we support each other most effectively will be really useful for us yeah I think it's, it's quite difficult to sometimes realize you know you're thinking oh I'm I need this help and or I'm struggling today or and you assume that it's obvious to the other person because you've been together a long time and whereas actually it is sometimes quite hard for the other person to realize you do need you do need some additional support that day uh, particularly emotionally so I guess historically we haven't been so good at it but after some recent discussions I think maybe we just like Ruth said need to say I'm finding this situation I don't know maybe the maybe Isabel's doing something that's just tearing your hair out and you've got to I've got to step out for half an hour because this is driving me nuts and just be a bit more a bit more upfront about it do you think having a child changed you both as a couple I don't think it's changed us so much as a couple hugely in the sense of day to day. We don't have as much time to do things together. So for example, we used to travel a lot and you know, our big our big blowout expenditure was on holidays. I guess that's the one thing we really we really miss. I think it's changed us though in the sense that we had to kind of that conversation before about how kids were always in my future and it's something that I always really wanted and you weren't quite sure. And to the point where you, you, I think you probably worried beforehand about how maternal you were going to be and your sort of maternal instincts. And it's been really lovely to see the fact that, that you've, you've taken to it so well and you, and you, you completely, I think you surprised yourself in, in, in how, you know, in how much your, your sort of priorities have shifted from, or are now more equal between your career and, and, and family life. So in some ways that's brought us, I think, closer together than, than before. So I don't think. I think our lives are hugely different now compared to how they were. It just takes a hell of a lot more organization and planning and, and, you know, we can't just do what we want. We have to sort of check in and say, well, can we do this? Can we fit this in? And that sort of stuff. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo what Colin was saying. Um, and it's absolutely right that um, I don't think anyone would have described me as a maternal person. And I think my um, friends and family were all sort of like, oh, what's she going to be like when she has the baby? Um, but it was almost instant when when I gave birth to Isabel that something just clicked and I and I just became 
super maternal. And I know it doesn't, it's not that way for everybody and, and neither should it be. But, but that definitely changed me as a person quite a bit. And I think so naturally has changed us as, as a couple. I think also that the difference is that we, we're much more of a family unit now, um, much more of a team. And, and I think that's shifted for sure. You mentioned practical stuff. Colin, I'm interested, what are the practical things you're putting in place to manage the day-to-day stuff and and childcare responsibilities as a couple? Well, what's made a really big difference is having a joint diary. So before I was wedded to a paper diary and I'm very, I love technology, I love gadgets and stuff, but for some reason I was just really attached to a paper, a paper diary. And it just is not practical when you have uh, so many different things to juggle. So we have an app on, on our phones called Cozy, which is which is free and you, you can run a joint family calendar on it. So if I'm out giving schools talks, for example, I might have to leave early in the morning to go and get to the school for first thing, which means I can't do the nursery run, which, which I would normally do in the morning. But then Ruth can have it in her diary when her meetings are. Um, and we even, my parents live around the corner, uh, which is a big help but we can even loop them in on the diary. So if neither of us can do the nursery run and my parents might be able to do it that morning, we can put it in their diary. And so having this one place where all this information is, it just makes it so much easier. Ruth doesn't have to come home and or text me and ask, what am I doing that day? Can we do this? It's a, it's a lot more obvious. So I think if I'm looking at practical steps, having that joint digital diary is, it's been a real, a real help. One of the things that we also did really early on was make sure that Isabel was comfortable being put to bed by either one of us. And that sounds like a small thing, but actually it's given us loads of flexibility and that one of us can be out, whether that's for social reasons, seeing friends or if we need to work late. Um, And it just means that that sort of we've got that freedom and we, we've always made sure that kind of the whole bedtime routine, we alternated it one night to the next. Um, so that she was kind of going to go down with either one of us. And that's, that has helped, I think, practically. That is quite inspiring slash scary for me to hear because I'm definitely not there. I mean, not because my partner doesn't want, but basically because I'm hogging bedtime for the one child. So was it easy to get to that really shared? Like, did you just say, right, I'm doing it this day, you're doing the next, and then it was fine? Or how, what was it like to sort? Yeah, we, we just decided straight away really I think we started a bedtime routine with her when she was about three months and right from the get-go we we sort of said even though I was on maternity leave once it hit sort of five o'clock essentially then we were we were shared parents so yeah we we just did it from the go um and and to be fair she has always been really good about going to bed so we have it very easy from that point of view. So it was an easy thing to implement. I know that's not the case for everybody. <laughs> I think you're going to make lots of people very jealous. Indeed. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> well, I guess the other thing we were lucky in that in our NCT group, uh, one of the other mums was having a lot of problems with sleeping. Um, and so they hired a sleep consultant and then shared with the rest of us the tips and advice from the sleep consultant. So we got basically free professional sleeping advice, which is also quite, you know, quite handy of, of these are the things you should probably do. But also we just make sure that the things we do in the bedtime routine is exactly the same, whether it's, whether it's me doing it or Ruth doing it. So from her point of view, Isabel's point of view, you know, she's knows this is the bedtime routine. We don't diverge from it. Mm -hmm. 
It's a lot of discipline. Are there any mistakes you have made, would you say, in terms of arranging your lives practically or anything that you wouldn't do that you used to do? So I, as I said before, I have Mondays off with my daughter, but what I was quite guilty of to start with, and actually too fair, a little bit still guilty of, is being completely tuned out of work on a Monday because it's still quite new for me. And I've only been doing that for about three months. So I, that sort of being with her and only with her and playing and not thinking about checking my phone or checking my emails or, or oh, I've got to follow up on that or, you know, getting completely out of work mode and just like, we can just play for the day. Like, I'm not working today. That's definitely, I need to be more tuned into that and more present with her on a Monday. Um, and I'm getting better at it, but that particularly to start with, I wasn't thinking about it as a, a day with her. I was, I was still thinking about work more than I was thinking about her, but it's quite a big, it's quite a big transition to, to make. So that was, that was definitely a mistake and I'm, I'm trying to get better at it. Yeah, I can really empathize with that. I also uh, look after my daughter on a Monday, so we might run into each other on some of the play groups. And it's been such a discipline not to check my emails and phones, but actually when I don't, I'm having such a bit, um, better day. And actually I sometimes used to break the rule and I used to arrange a brief call with someone, um, if it, if it, I thought it was urgent, but actually then I just ended up all day thinking about that call. And then the call might have been canceled with a half an hour's notice. And that's the same time I've been thinking about work all the time. So I've started to become, I'm not, perfect but I've definitely started to become much much more disciplined and I don't I don't put things in a diary or try to do work during that day when I look after my children. I've made a similar commitment because I take Fridays off to spend with Isabel and I and I got some advice really early on before I went back to work basically saying you need to set really clear boundaries and from the start and if you if you start checking your emails taking the odd phone call saying you'll go in for the odd meeting then people will very quickly realize that they can contact you on your day off. Whereas if from the start you are very firm and you say, actually, I don't check anything and I'm not available unless it's an emergency, which in my job, it's very rare that there would be. And so I've been quite firm with that. And actually it's, it's really paid off because now I feel like I've got Friday to Sunday that is just family time. And then I can start working on Monday feeling really refreshed and energized because I've had that break. Interesting. Did you both always know you were going to work four days or how did that come about? I can't remember whether we'd, we'd always thought it. I think it, it just made logical sense that I felt like I strongly that I really wanted a day with Isabel while she was little to, to spend that time with her. But I was and still remain really passionate about the job that I do. I'm really passionate about continuing my career. And whilst I could have made it work three days, I just felt like four days was the right balance between being present at work, but also present with my daughter. Yeah, the same for me. I, I always figured that I would have some time with her. Uh, and we just make it equal as well. I, I've always been very clear that I have a traditional advantage, an unfair advantage, being the dad, not the mum. And that, that you, your career should not suffer at all, if ideally, you know, any more than it has to for the fact you've, you happen to have biologically had the means to make a baby. Um, and so we just try and with everything, split things down the middle. So if you're having a day off with a week, so am I, 
but I, but I always wanted that time too. But it shouldn't. And it's weird. I still kind of get some. Again, being a being a guy, I'd have not really experienced sexism that much in my in my existence. But you'd be surprised how much I have since Ruth got pregnant. Interesting. Tell um, me more. Well, just just even things like going to the midwife appointments, and which I went to all the midwife appointments. I'd, I'd seen something, or the midwife wasn't sure about something, and I repeated back what she'd said earlier. And I got the sort of almost like pat on the head of like, oh, he's a good one, isn't he? Like he's listening. I was like, well, of course I'm listening. <laughs> Why wouldn't I be? Or there was another, another thing in the NCT class where it was about breastfeeding. And so the guys had been taken off and we had to read up and learn about this thing, technique of breastfeeding. And the idea was we came back into the room and we had to tell the girls what we just learned. And so I came back in and just said what we'd read two minutes beforehand. And again, it was, oh, he's doing a great job, isn't he? Well, it's two minutes ago. I've just read it. Like, it's not a complicated thing. And so it kind of opened my eyes to the fact that, that yeah, this is what you must get all the time. Uh, and I just want to make sure that you don't, you know, you have this amazing potential to, to do amazing things. And I don't want you having a baby to hold you back in any way. So I feel we have to split everything equally because that, we're equal parents, right? So everything should be down the middle. Yeah, I think it really helps that we've, we both share that philosophy and approach. Um, I think it would be quite challenging if we didn't. So yeah, our values are definitely aligned in that way. But I do, I do see it all the time in terms of that sort of reverse sexism that there are so many baby groups that are available on a Monday. Um, but all of the sort of the invitations, the information about them all talks about mums um, there's one that's just around the corner from us, but on it advertises on Facebook and all it describes is for mums by mums. And you think, well, that that's great that, you know, great that there's a local group that mums can go along to. But actually things are shifting quite significantly now. And we need to be a, a bit more conscious of the fact that there's so many dads out there who want to play a really active role in there, bringing up their children and, and be really present and go along to those things. And we shouldn't be kind of creating these artificial barriers that, that don't need to be there. And whilst I think everyone is welcoming at those sorts of groups, if you don't feel like you're included, then it, it's tough to start to go along to those things. So your recommendation then to someone who is organizing stuff for parents on, on, on days to make them that inclusive, what, what are your recommendations? I think there's some some basics that if you're if you're talking about something being being open to a certain group, just be inclusive about the fact that it's for everyone. Because I think most I've never come across a, an environment or a group that would be unwelcoming to dads, but I think sometimes it can feel that way in the way things are presented. So, just including on the advertisement that mums and dads welcome, um, that would be one basic thing. Uh, from my point of view, don't just have the baby changing facilities in the women's toilets. Fair point. <laughs> it's quite hard to change a baby if you haven't got access to the baby changing. I mean, some places are great and they do have them in the men's or the disabled or whatever, but there are places where you still like, well, hang on a minute, where am I supposed to change the baby? Yeah. Did you have any reactions from your professional environment about working four days rather than five? Yeah, well, I have, I'm pretty upfront about it. I have it on my email signature that I work Tuesday to Friday and that replies outside of those times might take, take longer. Um, I have had some people kind of question it in a way where, you know, someone said, can you come and meet me at this time, you know, have a meeting at this time? And I said, well, probably, yeah, but I just need to sort out, double check childcare first, because 
the way it normally works because I work from home most of the time is that I do the nursery run in the morning because um, Ruth has to leave before nursery opens to get into work. And then Ruth comes home on the train and then our nursery is between the train station and home. So Ruth will walk to the nursery, pick up and come home. We were quite, quite flexible about that if we need to be, but there was this date where I had to be out early, you had to be out early. And so I was saying, well, I need to try and find a, and someone said, well, how come you doing all this nursery runs and stuff? I was like, well, because she's my daughter, right? So why, why it's an equal thing, you know, I, it shouldn't just fall to you to do all the, the, the nursery runs and stuff. So yeah, there is still a little bit of, you know, I don't want to bleak too much about it because I know that guys have it much easier, but there is still this, it's still a relatively new thing for, for dads to be at these things or for dads to have a day off a week. What inspired you to take the approach that you have in terms of combining two ambitious leadership careers with a young child? So I, uh, I had two really um, amazing um, leaders that I worked with a couple of years ago, Laura Harrison and Sam Whitaker, And they are incredibly talented, smart, passionate people, really seeking to, to change things and, and make, make the world a better place and all of that, that good stuff. But they've also got um, families and are really committed to being amazing parents. And I guess seeing them, working with them, seeing them balance these two things of having really successful leadership careers and bringing up a family just made me feel really inspired of what was possible, that I could really progress in my career and be a great parent. And I didn't necessarily need to choose between the two. And also Sam would would work four days, which, you know, I could see worked really well for her her and her family. And so they, they both showed me um, a few years ago kind of what was possible. They also both worked incredibly hard. So I knew that it wasn't necessarily an easy journey, an easy ride. I knew that there would be tough times and compromises to be made along the way. But I could see that I didn't have to compromise my own career vision, my own sense of what I could achieve, but just by having a family. So by the way, episode 13 of this podcast is with Laura Harrison. So if you want to listen to her, then do listen to that one. Oh, amazing. <laughs> and is there anything very concrete that they did that you're trying to emulate? Um, I, don't, I don't know if this is something necessarily to emulate, but um, I remember, um, so I used to work with, with Laura at the CIPD and there were a couple of times in the school holidays where her daughter would come into work with her and she would sit in her office and do colouring and play games and, and be absolutely delightful. And it just made me realise that there are so many different ways of, of managing childcare and you don't have to think about it in traditional ways anymore. Obviously, that, that isn't going to work for everybody. But in some situations, if you can get loads of work done, be, be sort of be present at work and you can also have your child with you. Well, why not if that works for you? So I suppose what I would like to emulate is just that sense of don't hold yourself back from opportunities or restrict yourself from doing something because there isn't always a way around childcare. There are so many different avenues you can go down if you remove some of the assumptions that you might have yeah i guess it kind of boils down to me back to the astronaut sort of stuff that they have this phrase at nasa which is called work the problem it's kind of back from the apollo days of you know we've got an issue don't panic work the problem as in you know, there's always a solution to something and so i think that's what we we always try and kind of have that mentality of there is a solution to this if we if we sit down and work it out but i think just for us it was that we wanted to 
not quite have our cake and eat it, but we wanted to, what, where's the best balance between having a successful career, but also being, being there for your children and not, not to miss out on the, on the good stuff, particularly when they're so, when they're so young. Mm. What's interesting, I'm hearing both of you speaking quite ambitiously about where you want to get to. And I'm not hearing that choice that you have to do either or, which is very interesting. And of course, let's not beat around the bush. It is tricky to do both really ambitious career stuff and have young ch children. But by saying we have to choose, we're already limiting our thinking about what's possible, I think. Yeah, and I think also we, we have quite a lot of respect for each other's, you know, each other's careers as well. I don't, neither of us think that the other one's career is more important than the other. I think that we can, we, we both work not only to further our own careers, but to make sure that the other person has the chance to do theirs, theirs too. And I don't think you have to make that distinction between, it's different for different couples, right? But for us, it's, it's quite healthy and it works. It's a good place to start from where you say, well, look, our careers are equally important. How do we combine that with parenthood in the way that, that yeah. isn't going to you know, negatively affect it? Mm. So I want to ask you a question, which is number one, are you pondering the possibility to have another child? And number two, do you think that will have an impact on your relationship and your career? Yeah, I think we're definitely in the pondering stage at the moment. And I think we would like a, a second one um, eventually. We've just got to um, find the right time for us. I think things will get a little bit more complicated. Um, as we've been describing, we have all these systems and things work reasonably smoothly I imagine having two children would would change that quite a bit but saying that I think we'd still try and stick to some core principles around around kind of most the, the big one being equal parenting um about splitting the the mental load when you have two the logistics of that and particularly I'd imagine when you have school-aged children and perhaps one in nursery as well and you're going to diff two different occasions in the morning I'd imagine that gets tricky but we've always taken an approach of we'll, we'll meet the challenge and things will change in our lives. Um, you, you don't know what will happen in the future. You can't really predict it. Um, but as long as we keep checking in with each other and adjusting the plans as we go and we're not fixed to anything, then I think we can manage both. And I don't have, there's no doubt in my mind that we wouldn't be able to have a second child and also achieve all the things that we want to within our career. I completely think that's possible. It's just about finding a system that works for us. And I think what's tricky is that with, with our daughter, she was premature, not, not crazily premature, but four weeks early. And so she's always been from the beginning, you know, quite small. And I can imagine that having a, a full term baby, I think she's, she's always slept pretty well because of the fact she was premature. So the first four weeks she thought she was still in the womb. So she slept a lot. So that sleeping thing is, is. She has always been a good sleeper. I can imagine a full-term baby that doesn't sleep, that doesn't feed, you know, throwing that into the mix could be difficult. So yeah, I think we definitely want another baby, but I, I'd be lying if I wasn't fearful about, about we got a good system at the moment and we, we know it's pretty well balanced. And I can imagine that, that a second baby would, 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 would uh, disrupt that quite significantly. But again, it's working the problem. It's, it's sitting down and going, right, well, goalposts have shifted, right? So... How do we shift with them? Every relationship has rough patches. When yours has one, what do you do? I guess one of the toughest 
times that we went through was probably just after Isabel was born partly the the shock of her arriving early um but also the shock of being new parents and I think most importantly the just pure exhaustion that that came along with that and I think that was probably I think as it is for a lot of parents a bit a bit of a rough patch because you're both trying to navigate this whole new reality on sort of barely any sleep each night and I guess the the way that we approach that was was partly just being compassionate to each other and recognizing that if there's times when one of us is irritable or snapped in that period it wasn't a reflection of of necessarily how we truly felt or that how we normally behave and and sometimes just letting some things go because you just know that you might have said something in the moment that actually was born out of no sleep it's fine you can have a hug about it and a smile and and move on and um, so just being really being kind to each other i would say yeah, I'd agree. I can think of a time when she must have been under two weeks old, I think. And I, we were in hospital for five days with her because of her being premature. And I didn't sleep very well either because I didn't have any, anywhere to sleep. And so I was properly, and I'd, be, I'd been in hospital myself the week before she was born. And so I was absolutely exhausted. And obviously so were you. Uh, and I just snapped at you and made you cry. And I can't think of, I can think of maybe two times in our entire relationship near 10 years where I've made you cry and I guess you could have taken that to heart and it was just born out of sheer exhaust exhaustion so I think yeah that example of being kind to each other and realizing that, that you know that's out of character if someone is behaving in a way that is not usual then there's probably a d- damn good reason why that's the case and just to you know let it slide and realize that you, know, you are in a position where you're being strained physically and emotionally and so yeah I agree I agree with you on that and sorry for making you cry. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think what's really interesting and coming through is that this there's a constant change. And obviously, we've this morning we've just had a session with the other leaders, past fellows, and their partners talking about career progress and in the light of being, you know, a, a family with young children. And again, whether there were people with primary school age children or people who had literally you know a few months old there seems to be the same thing about it is going to change and of course as soon as you've got it worked out then there's a new thing like I've just done my school applications and trust me it's a completely different (laughs) challenge or maybe it was just me who didn't quite um, uh, figure out the online system but yeah there seems to be this constant change and we have to just be agile absolutely Um, I, I think it helps that a lot of what I've done um, in my current job and in past jobs has been around change management. And I've always been the type of person who gets really excited about change. Um, and it, it's what kind of gets me going at work. So I think, I think that helps with my mindset that I kind of see, I see something changing as kind of an opportunity, an opportunity to try new things, do something different, to learn. And I think that that mindset has kind of helped us through some of the kind of the bumps in the roads um, around being a new parent. Yeah, by contrast, I hate change. <laughs> and so your, your perspective on that is useful. But I just have to kind of boil it down to analytical stuff again and say like, come on, let's sit down and think of this. I mean, because of my science background, right? Does, can we think about this in a, in a logical, scientific kind of a way and, and logic out the, the puzzle, I think is the way I, I deal with it. 
but yeah, I, I'm not the biggest fan of change. Mm. Interesting though, how you both use the key skills from your work in that day-to-day -day. and so often we don't do that. So often we behave in a completely different way and in a much more childish way at home than at work. And it's interesting how you use this scientific analysis and change management. I think that really helps actually because we, we, are, we do approach things in quite a similar way. Uh, approach even though Ruth doesn't have a science background she has a history background your degree was history and again that historical and analytical I think it really helps that we both think in that in that way if we were if we approached a problem in a different differently there'd be a lot more friction whereas whether I think we both agree there's nothing a good spreadsheet can't can't solve <laughs> and if we didn't have that didn't have that same approach then it would be a lot more difficult so yeah at least we're on the same page there get get the excel spreadsheet out excellent <laughs> is there a particular moment of combining two really ambitious careers with a young child that you really treasure as a couple probably the best moment i've had in the last year or so of, of being a parent and working has has been the opportunity to go to the um, house of commons with the leaders plus program and be um part of a community of amazing parents um listening to some incredible speakers about how we can combine our, our careers um, with parenthood. And then that was just a moment that really kind of made me realize that literally anything is possible. If you can take, a, you know, loads of 30 babies or so into a room in the House of Commons and still be really engaged in listening to a panel of speakers, there's not a lot you, you can't do when it comes to your career at work. And also that thinking about sort of us and and that moment obviously Colin wasn't with me at that but he was the one who really pushed me to apply for the Leaders Plus program um, and could really see that it would have a really amazing impact on on me personally and my career so I felt like you know even though it was kind of my moment in that time I was fully supported by Colin which which made the difference I think. I just like the little moments when we can go and do stuff as a family when really in, in theory we should be working so um you know the lovely thing about ruth being at work at home on a friday with isabel is the i work from you know say so work from home so there have been times where we've gone out for lunch on a friday and just that uh, it's just not busy either you know so if you go out on a saturday or a sunday then everyone's crowded you've got to park and traffic is terrible whereas if you sneak out on a, on a, on a friday lunchtime and you go out some lunch together you know, it's those sort of moments where then it feels that the system we've got in place is really valuable because you can have these good family times. Uh, and it's, it feel, in those moments, it feels like the system works. Fantastic. And if your best friend came to you and said, we're expecting a baby or we're adopting a child, what advice would you give to them about their relationship? I think I'd say work out what's important to you as a couple about how you want your life with children to work and what's going to make you happy. Because I, I don't think you can, there's no set way that, that everybody can follow that will work for them. Um, there'll, there'll be people similar to us and there'll be people who think that this, this way of doing things is, is not right at all. Um, so I don't think you can kind of, and you don't always know that until you've had a child either. So I think there's something about setting out what you want um, working that through as a couple, um, being open to that changing and, and, and being 
more flexible about it than than you might have anticipated being and be be accommodating I think to to what the other person might want to do and pursue um remove some of the assumptions that you might have and just try and find a way to to kind of work out a way that everybody can do the things that they want to do whilst also being there as a parent so we had a conversation before we had the baby that we we didn't just want to become mum and dad and we didn't want to lose completely lose the couple that we were before and we had to remember that we were husband and wife as well as mum and dad um and we we sort of committed to having a date night once a month you know where we go out and have dinner or even that's just locally down the road to the local pub to to make sure that we keep that connection as a couple to remember that we are more than just parents as well so don't don't let having kids take over your life to such an extent that you forget what you were like before you you have them because they are going to change your life but i guess you can be if you're not careful you'll sort of drift apart whereas having a, a monthly date night you get to remember what you know reconnect and remember what you were like before you had kids mm-hmm. fantastic that brings us to the end of our conversation so a big thank you Ruth and Colin, if people want to get in touch with you and continue the conversation, what's the best way to do that? Uh, from my point of view, uh, you can, my website is colinstuart.net, um, Stuart with a U, or I'm on Twitter as at Sky Ponderer. Um, and I'd be happy for people to get in touch with me via email. So my email is ruth.stuart86 at hotmail.co.uk, and that's Stuart with a U. Thank you for listening today. I hope you have enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. A big thank you to Ruth and Colin for being so open and honest. I'm absolutely thrilled with the response to the Leaders of Babies podcast and I really would love to double listener numbers. So if you can support it by sharing it with your friends on social media or face to face, that would be brilliant. So if you right now get in touch with three people who you think could benefit, that would be amazing. And also if you know someone who is currently on maternity or share parental leave or adoption leave or has a young child under three, then do encourage them to apply to the Leaders Plus Fellowship Program. I'm super excited about the new cohort and we've already selected a few fantastic fellows, um, but there's still time to apply. The deadline is the 13th of February. We're looking for people who are really ambitious in their careers, who want to be part of a supportive community of peers and who also are passionate about changing the future for parents in the next generation. And of course, if you have a baby, then you're very welcome to bring them along to all of our sessions. Thank you so much and speak to you soon again.